Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, folks, the day before the... Uh, so-called impeachment hearing. And I'm not going to go back and play it for you. What's the point of that? But we could. I indicated to you that this hearing, when it was over, you'd feel pretty good. Remember that, Mr. Producer? These people would expose themselves for what they are. They don't have the evidence. They have nothing. That's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. And so Nancy Pelosi trots out in front of a microphone with her eyeballs sticking out of her head, may I say, with all due respect. Her little stutter steps up to the microphone, her, uh, <laughs> her speech impediment. And she makes more declarations. Now, what did she say? I mean, I've got more good stuff here, but I want to start with Pelosi. You actually have people like Bannon out there saying she's a brilliant strategist. He's wrong. She's an idiot. An absolute idiot. She can't get the anti-Semitic wing of her party under control. She can't get the Marxist wing of her party under control. They've got nothing. In fact, look at the Democrat presidential side. They're still looking for candidates to run. Uh, Duval Patrick, uh, yeah, Bloomberg. Uh, yeah. Guys are throwing in. They already had 2,400 of them. They just can't. They're in trouble. These so-called moderates in the House who won in Trump Republican districts, they're in deep trouble for what Nancy Pelosi has done. Not a bright strategist. She's an idiot. And by the way, more and more she's looking to me like Richard Nixon. And by the way, I'm not against Richard Nixon. I'm just saying, I'm just observing. More and more she's looking like a female Richard Nixon. And she is obsessed with Nixon. She's obsessed with Nixon. I don't know what her, her mental stage is, but here she was at a weekly press briefing today. Cut eight, go. Because impeaching is, is a divisive thing in our country. It's hard. And it, the place that our country is now, it's not a time where you go to 70% when people... When, uh, oh, wait, slowly you're scrambling about with your... Incoherence, inability to complete sentences. You're a speaker. You're supposed to know how to speak. Why are you doing your Barney Frank imitation? It's a hard time. And I haven't listened to these, have I, Mr. Producer? So let me guess. She's going to say it's a prayful time or a prayerful time. It's a prayerful time here. In the House of Representatives, a prayerful time. Go ahead. 
and walked out of the White House. It wasn't there before he left, even two weeks before he left. What wasn't, wasn't there before he left? What is she saying? What, what wasn't there? She's cuckoo for uh, Cocoa Puffs. Go ahead. There until the other shoe fell and he walked out the door. And by the way, yes, yes. what President Trump has done on the He hasn't done anything. He hadn't done anything. You held secret testimony hearings in the basement of the Capitol building. You've been selectively leaking crap. You bring out a whistleblower, then you hide a whistleblower. I mean, honest to God, I don't know what you're blaming Trump for. You're the one who ran off and had a love fest with, uh, with a genocidal dictator in Syria. Remember that, folks? Oh, yeah, I remember. Go ahead. In terms of... Uh, acting to advantage his a foreign power to help him in his own election. Honestly, and- uh, let, let, let's cut to the chase. He doesn't need Ukraine's help to help him win this election. I'll be the first to say it because it's so damn obvious. The president needs Ukraine to help him win the election. Three-fourths of the Democrats don't even know how to spell Ukraine. He needs Ukraine to help win the election. While they're still searching around for a candidate, hey, let's have the failed former Democrat governor of Massachusetts, Deval Patrick. He'll appeal to the whole country. Oh, how about this? Bloomberg, Mr. Gun Control, Soda Control. He'll appeal to the country. What about the issues? They can't run on the issues. Can't run on the issues. They're only popular in communist China. Go ahead of the uh, obstruction of information about that, the cover-up. Obstruction of information about what, you idiot? Did I say she's an idiot? She's an idiot. You can't even find... Hey, there's the uh, the obstruction of the cover-up. Let's see here. Go ahead. Makes what Nixon did look almost small. Oh, really? What Nixon did is almost small. How about what Lyndon Johnson did? Does that make it look small? Who slept with every woman he could find walking through the White House? Who sicked the IRS on his political opponents, the Goldwater campaign? Who sicked the IRS on his own vice president? Had the FBI tap his vice president's phone so he could hear what he was running on? Was a dirt poor man out of Texas, retired from the presidency, a multimillionaire. Somehow they got a license to a television station in Austin. They called it LBJ. Same with a radio station. It's, it's like Nixon, you know. Nixon. Is it like FDR? FDR. Who interred Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent and put them in real concentration camps. <coughs> right? Ayach. Anything like FDR, who sick the IRS on, his, on publishers he disagreed with? I, I'm just asking. Trump's nothing like Obama, who sick the FBI on the New York Times. They're just too stupid to deal with it. On a Fox News reporter, on the Associated Depressed. Oh, yeah. Who sick the IRS on the Tea Party. You can't tie the two together. Really? And yet they keep tying Trump to everything. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. It drives the liberals nuts. It drives the 
slobbering crackpot buffoons over media, the Daily Beast and other places. Drives them nuts. Donald Trump, while he's been president, is a Boy Scout compared to FDR, John Kennedy, LBJ, and Barack Obama. A Boy Scout. I said a Boy Scout! Compared to these other presidents and how crooked they were and how vile they were personally in terms of their moral behavior. Absolutely. Bill Clinton, another one. Let's continue, shall we? Let's, let's go back to uh, Nancy Pelosi. Go ahead. You talked about bribery a second ago. Yes, a bribery. That's a very serious charge. It's what in the Constitution. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bribery's in the Constitution in there, you know. You just know that it's in the, it's in the Constitution in, the, in there. What does it mean, uh, Nancy? Go ahead. Oh, uh, we talking Latin around here. E pluribus unum from anyone, from anyone. Wow. Quid pro quo, bribery, bribery, and that is in the Constitution attached to the impeachment. Res ipsa Ecuador. We can do the whole bunch of them, Mr. Producer. Quid pro quo is bribery in the Constitution. Now let me explain again, as I explained on Hannity last night. Because this idiot is illiterate when it comes to the Constitution and so many other things. Let me explain something to Nancy Pelosi. The word bribery in the Constitution. It's right there in Madison's notes. Their concern was... Their concern was that a foreign power might bribe a president with cash, with money, with titles in order to buy his loyalty. It's nothing to do with what they're talking about in Ukraine and the 2016. It's not what they meant by bribery. Yes, but the word bribery is right there in the Constitution. And we're very prayerful today. It's a very grave thing that we're doing here in the House of Representatives. Go ahead. What's the bribe here? The bribe is to grant or withhold military assistance in return for a public statement of a, uh, of a fake investigation. Really? And where's your first-hand evidence of that? Where is it? It's not in the transcript. The two homeless guys who testified as State Department individuals yesterday, they didn't say that. They have no evidence of that. Nothing. So who said it? Nobody. Yes, yes, but... The word bribery is in the Constitution. They love the Constitution all of a sudden. You know, written by slave owners, so many of them. Gets in the way of their socialist agenda. Oh, I mean the Green New Deal, excuse me. Medicare for all. Free college tuition, you know. Constitution doesn't permit any of that. Of course, the Supreme Court has screwed up the Constitution, but that's a whole other story. Nancy Pelosi made an allegation. I'm asking, what's her first-hand evidence for that? She's none. So she gets the word bribery wrong from a constitutional perspective, and she has no evidence. She's an idiot. No, but she's a great strategist. She's an idiot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices, guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. By the way, as a footnote, which is an important one, these reports coming out of the Gaza area, really one reporter there. You need to understand Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and other terrorist organizations that control the Gaza Strip would never allow a reporter in that area unless they believe that reporter is sympathetic to their views. And I must say, from my perspective, that reporter has been mostly sympathetic to their views. You know, Benjamin Netanyahu once said to me, here's the difference, Mark. If these terrorist groups would put down their arms, if these Palestinian terrorist groups would put down their arms, we'd have peace. If we Israeli Jews put down our arms, we'd have genocide. And so we get reports from Gaza City where these terrorist organizations brutalize the citizenry, keep them poor, steal the foreign aid that comes in there, building tunnels, buying weaponry, eating like kings and queens and living like kings and queens. That is the terrorists at the top. But you won't see any of that reported. Anyway, let me move on with Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi at her weekly press conference today Cut, what are we are? Ten, go. That's why I say all roads lead to Putin. All Putin. roads lead to Putin, ladies and gentlemen. Now keep in mind, keep in mind it was the Obama administration that appeased Putin. When Putin moved into Crimea and took it, the Obama administration did nothing effective. When Putin moved in to Ukraine... The Obama administration did nothing effective. In fact, you might remember, Obama told him, you know, we'll have flexibility, tell Vladimir, after the election. Obama never put tough sanctions on Russia. Donald Trump put the toughest sanctions on Russia of any modern president. Did you know that? You don't hear Nancy selling that to Cecilia. And of course you've heard from the impeachment hearings, which aren't really impeachment hearings because we're not impeaching, you know. 
that the Trump administration in 2017, 2018, and 2019 has given hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in military support to the Ukrainians. But the Obama administration wouldn't. Wouldn't give them the weapons they needed to defend themselves. But the all roads go through Putin, ladies and gentlemen. All roads go through Putin. She's an idiot, like I said. Oh, no, you don't understand. She's quite distressed. No, she's an idiot. Cut 11, go. We hear it said routinely, and of course it's true, that impeachment is a political process, not a legal one. And yet, as we can all observe, many of the accoutrements surrounding the legal process are inherent in this political process. We have counsels, depositions, subpoenas, threats of perjury, and so forth. Uh, this was made starkly clear yesterday by Chairman Schiff, it seemed to me, when he reminded the minority that he would do everything necessary to ensure the legal rights of the whistleblower to That's preserve right. anonymity. Right. Uh, in this political setting. And so I wonder if you could explain to the American people why the legal rights of the whistleblower uh, should prevail in this political setting over those of President Trump who should ordinarily enjoy a right to confront his accuser. Now, see, this is a great question. So she'll attack him. There's only one flaw in the question. Under the whistleblower laws, I've said over and over again, this guy's not a whistleblower. There is no anonymity afforded to this individual outside the IG's office. The uh, president's not covered by the whistleblower statute and so forth. In other words, the whistleblower statute's utterly irrelevant. You not only heard it here first, you've heard it here a dozen times. Well, I was watching and I predict... Anyway, uh, go ahead. Well, let me just say this. I'll say to you... You see, she sounds like Nixon. Well, let me just say this about that. I told you, she's a female Nixon. Go ahead. Mr. Republican Talking Points, what I said to the President of the United States. Oh, that's not nice. Mr. Republican Talking Points. Did she not just cite the Constitution, Mr. Reducer? You know, the word bribery is in the Constitution. We're very prayerful about the Constitution. The word bribery is in the Constitution. Well, what about the basic due process that's been afforded presidents in the past when they faced similar uh, uh, investigations? You know, due process. It may, it may not effectively be a matter of law, but, I mean, it is something that, you know, uh, the Enlightenment period, uh, you know, hundreds of years have, uh, has seen uh, quite worthy. So, yeah, Mr. Republican talking points. Well, if that's Republican talking points... That even a president should have some modicum of due process when he's being accused wrongly of crimes and they're trying to force him out of office. We'll take those Republican talking points. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. 
And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Representative Jim Jordan, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Mark. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. You did a spectacular job. Oh, you're kind. Thank you. We, we, I thought it went okay for the good, uh, you know, for the president. I thought some of the key facts got out there. The facts are on the president's side, and the process has been completely unfair. Let me ask you a question, uh, Jim Jordan. Can you point to me where the direct evidence exists that the president of the United States threatened the Ukraine in exchange if they didn't investigate Joe Biden? Where's the direct evidence of this? Yeah, there's, there's zero of it. Zero evidence. Because as we've been saying, you've been saying, uh, the best evidence is the call transcript itself. No conditionality, no linkage there. The two individuals on the call, President Trump, President Zelensky, said no pressure, no linkage whatsoever. The Ukrainians didn't know that the uh, aid had been held at the time of the call. And most importantly, they took no action, no pledge, no promise, no starting of an investigation by President Zelensky to get the aid released. So those, the, those facts will never change in spite of uh, in spite of what, what the Democrats might try to say and try to do, those facts are going to remain the same. So there's no direct evidence of any sort of uh, the President of the United States threatening Ukraine with withholding military aid if they don't investigate the Bidens. It's not in the transcript. Our president says it never happened. Their president said it never happened. Uh, and the witnesses on Wednesday didn't say anything. I'm, I'm, right. I'm watching that. I'm saying, who the hell are these two guys? You can grab anybody off the streets. I heard this one say, and this one said that. And by the way, you know, my grandfather was in the foreign. So I'm going, what is this? What is it? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a sham. And the American people, I think, see it uh, just, in, just like you described it there. See, think about this, though, Mark. There, there was a meeting in September. So the aid gets held on July 18th. It gets released on September 11th. There are several interactions President Zelensky has with senior government, U.S. government officials. The last one prior to the aid getting released, it's a bipartisan, it's, it's Senator Johnson and Senator Murphy meeting with President Zelensky. And in that meeting, Senator Murphy, the Democrat, brings up, if you're doing stuff with Giuliani, you're going to jeopardize aid. Mm-hmm. He, he, is, he is going after President, probably inappropriately, but he's doing that. What better time, if in fact this was supposed to happen and this was all being orchestrated, what better time for President Zelensky to say, well, you know what, Senators, I know we need bipartisan support, but President Trump is asking me to do this and we need that aid. What more opportune time for President Zelensky to say that there was some kind of pressure, some kind of quid pro quo? That would be the ideal time. But it didn't happen because it wasn't true. That is the, like, the evidence is all on our side. The facts are all on our side, the president's side, and yet these Democrats don't care. They're going to go after this president. They're going to do whatever it takes, whenever it takes, however it takes it. That is what they're committed to doing, and that is what is so sad for our country. Jim Jordan, 2017, 2018, 2019, our tax dollars went to Ukraine through the Trump administration, correct? Yep, they sure did. And what happened in 2016, in 2015, in 2014 under the Obama administration? 
Yeah, but not, but not to this, not, not what was really needed. They needed military the support. They needed, yeah. they needed lethal military weapons of fighting a, a, a hot war with Russia. And this president, who doesn't like foreign aid, this president who knew how corrupt Ukraine was, one of the three most corrupt nations on the planet, this president who wanted Europeans to do more, said, you know what, I'm still going to do more than Obama. I'm going to give them javelins so they can deal with the Russian tanks on their eastern border and in the eastern part of their country. He said, I'm going to do that. Oh, oh, oh but somehow, somehow this, this guy needs to be impeached for taking those this is crazy. So basically, they want to impeach the president for giving them the military support that Obama did, right? And they want to impeach the president because we have a few State Department officials who disagreed with his initial policies, although in the end they agree with him providing aid. Wow, that sounds like high crimes and misdemeanors to me. Now let me ask you another question, sir. When people in Congress pass laws, do they actually read them? Has anybody actually uh, I- read the... Whistleblower Act? Are they well aware that the whistleblower is not a whistleblower? Are they well aware the president's not covered by the statute? Are they aware the phone call's not covered by the statute? Are they aware that anonymity goes to the inspector general in the intelligence community? It doesn't go to the rest of the government, your people, in Congress, the presidency, the, the media? In other words, the whistleblower statute's irrelevant. He and his yeah. lawyers triggered the statute dressed up this complaint in the statute, in my view, got advice on how to do that from your committee. That, I mean, the, actually, it's not your committee, their committee. Yeah. And it's yeah. just a sham. No, I, look, I, I, agree with, I agree with what you, the way you described it. I think that's exactly right. That he's not entitled to anonymity. Frankly, I think when you're talking about impeaching the President of the United States, who 63-some million people voted for 11 and a half months before the next election, the American people deserve a chance to see this individual who started it all. This guy hold his right hand up, pledge to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. We'll see how credible he is. We'll see what his motivations are. We'll see what biases he has. We already know he's biased against the president because the inspector general told us that. We already know through media reports that he worked with Joe Biden. We already know that. We already know he has no firsthand knowledge. Well, he, he listed in the, in the first bullet point over the last, uh, last several months, Six U.S. officials gave me information for this. I want to know who those sources are, too. We can't figure out who all those sources are unless we know who the whistleblower is, unless he testifies under oath. That is why it's so important to have this happen. But, oh, no, no, no. Adam Schiff won't do it, even though seven weeks ago he said we're going to hear from the whistleblower. But now he says we're not. And the one thing that changed in that interim was we discovered that Adam Schiff's staff had talked to the whistleblower, and Adam Schiff hadn't been square with us when he said they had no contact with the whistleblower. Is this uh, so-called whistleblower, is this whistleblower, uh, whether it's a he, she, or transitioning, I don't know, is this so-called whistleblower uh, read into a level of intelligence clearance that they're supposed to know anything about this call? I don't know. I, it's, a, it's, another, it's another question. How was, how was potentially classified information handled? Um, who fed this information to, you know, the one witness that we did get a chance to talk to, we started to ask who he shared, and one of the witnesses who was on the call, Mr. Vindman, Colonel Vindman, we asked him who he shared this information with, who he talked to about that phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky, and of course, Adam Schiff wouldn't let him answer our questions, even though we're members of Congress, even though Congress had subpoenaed this witness, he wouldn't let us answer the question as chairman. He says, I'm not going to let you go there because the whistleblower using the, 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 the wrong argument, not following the law, he said deserves some kind of anonymity. Tell me why the uh, House Intelligence Committee is conducting a sham impeachment hearing. Who's overseeing the nation's intelligence? Well, I believe, I don't think they've had a, a, a hearing. Um, 
any type of meeting other than impeachment related since this all began? Mm-hmm. Great question. And, and, and uh, Ranking Member Nunes has pointed this out. He says, why aren't we doing our job? I mean, well, he's right. Why are we? Yeah, he sure is. Why aren't we focusing on the things this committee is supposed to focus on instead of these this this whole unfair partisan process that they started now seven, eight weeks ago? So we haven't had a hearing recently on China and what they're up to, Russia. They're worried about Russia, on what Russia's up to, Iran and their nukes and all the rest of it. We haven't had hearings on this. And if we're attacked again, they're going to be pointing fingers somewhere else. You know, they talk about having an oversight responsibility. So when the hell are they going to do their oversight responsibility? Not in the next two weeks, because we got hearing after hearing scheduled next two weeks. We've got a deposition tomorrow. There's a hearing tomorrow with Ambassador, former Ambassador Yovanovitch. There's a deposition at 3 after that. There's a deposition on Saturday, and there, I think there are like five or six hearings next week, all throughout the week. So not in the next two weeks are they going to be doing What's the, the rush? They're supposed to focus. Well, that's, that, that, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a political decision, it looks like to me, from the Democrats. So um, Pelosi and Schiff and... And, uh, I think the, the Democrats running for president said, get on with this damn thing. We can't be sitting in the Senate forever. We've got we to gotta run for office. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, look, they've been after this president. This is the sad thing to me. This all started July of 2016 when they opened an investigation into the so-called Trump-Russia issue, and they spied on two American citizens associated mm-hmm. with the presidential campaign. And all that unfolded over the next three years with this whole crazy Mueller investigation, and now this. Now what they've put our country through the last eight weeks based on this baloney that somehow there was something going on with Ukraine when all the facts show that it wasn't. That is what is sad. What the Democrats are putting our nation through for the last three and a half years is so wrong. And I think the American people – American people get facts. The American people get fairness. And I think they see this for what it is. You know, Jim, it's not even – there's no crime they can point to. There's not anything they can point to. In other words (laughs) – there's no – when you're bringing in two State Department officials who don't know anything, hey, look, this guy told me this and this guy – oh, by the way, you know, I, I hear some new news. Uh, somebody overheard a phone call. What the – I mean, they're, they're, here's the thing. Nancy Pelosi was asked this today, and she attacked the reporter. And the reporter said, you know, we, we understand it's under criminal proceeding, but there is due process. Past presidents have had due process under these systems, you know, investigations and so forth. Why are you affording more due process to the whistleblower than you are to the President of the United States? Great question. You know what our answer was? That was a Republican talking points. Oh, golly. Well, why didn't she answer it? Yeah, who knows? Because she she doesn't have a good answer. That's why. Hmm. Yeah, the the, the guy who's responsible for starting this whole thing, we don't get to hear from. Only Adam Schiff does. 435 members of Congress. We each represent approximately three-quarters of a million people and only one member of the United States House. One member of the United States Congress, Adam Schiff, gets to know who the whistleblower is. Only one member of Congress staff gets to talk to the whistleblower, Adam Schiff. The rest of the 434, sorry, you don't get to. More importantly, the press doesn't get to know who this person is and tell the American people about him. And most importantly, we don't get to have that official, that, excuse me, that person under oath in, a, in an official proceeding where they have to answer tough questions, our questions, and we can determine if they're credible and who they are and what they did this for. Now, that, the whole house of cards will so come ridiculous. down. That's, you know why they're protecting this guy? Because it protects Schiff. Now, let me just say this to you, Congressman. You've done an outstanding job. None of you guys need advice from me, but I'd like to give it anyway. I would, like, you, I would like somebody to ask the other side, whether it's tomorrow or another day, under, to explain how under this federal whistleblower statute, 
how this whistleblower is covered, how this whistleblower, how the president's conversation is covered, how the president's covered, under what part of the statute does he get anonymity from the entire government, from the Congress, from the president of the United States? Because these lawyers who put this, this complaint together, they twisted the law to cover this guy. They, they, they conspired. They figured out, let's, let's wash this through the Whistleblower Act so we can protect the, the biases and the partisanship of our guy, obviously who's friends with at least one, probably two of the former NSC types who are now working for Schiff. Mm. And it's even further than that. This guy was working with the Ukrainians in 2016, mm. right? Uh, uh, this has been, has been reported. So he's got a lot of information. I mean, I'd have a lot of questions for this guy. I'm not accusing him, but I would say, what about these leaks with the Russia conversation and the Australia conversation and the Mexico conversation? What reporters did you talk to? Who did you share this information with? What kind of clearance did you have? This is why they don't want you talking to this guy. Of course. When? When? What date did you go to Adam Schiff before you actually filed the complaint on August 12th? What kind of advice did you get from Adam Schiff? How long was that meeting? Who did you talk to? There are a ton of questions that I got for this guy, just like you, Mark. And, and, and that is what is so frustrating. But again, I think the American people see it. They see that the American people are smart people. They understand this is baloney. This is a sham. What Adam Schiff did for weeks in the bunker in the basement of the Capitol and now this. Yesterday, these two individuals had never talked to President Trump. They had never talked with Mayor Giuliani about this issue. They had never met with Chief of Staff Mulvaney. They had third-hand, fourth-hand knowledge of the whole thing. I mean, I love that sentence. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor, yeah. I told Mr. Morrison. I mean, come on. You did a great this job with crazy. it. This is in, crazy. In, in fact, Jim, when you started that, I said, why is he talking? Slow down. And then I realized, no, that's the whole point. It doesn't make any sense. I have a quick you, question, a quick point for you, because I know we've got to go here. They keep talking about irregular channels. Who sets foreign policy for the executive branch? Well said. I'm so sick of this unelected, the unelected people thinking they're supposed to tell the, the elected person how things go. That is not how it works in our great country. I am sick of that. This all goes back to, think about what Chuck Schumer said January 3rd, 2017, mm-hmm. about President-elect Trump and this whole thing, what the FBI was doing to him. He said, when you mess with the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. It doesn't work that way in this country, Mr. Schumer. Even if you think it does, and Democrats think it does, and bureaucrats think it does, it doesn't. And that is what drives these people crazy, because they're used to telling the elected person, who we elected, by the way, because one of the reasons we liked him is because he said, I want to re- rethink this whole foreign aid thing. Th- th- that, I am so with you on that, Mark. That drives me crazy, because that is not how it works in our country. Dennis Rodman. Former uh, Congressman, Governor Richardson, Jesse Jackson, they all were special envoys for presidents, yes. weren't they? Yes. You can go back to George Washington. John Jay was a special envoy. He, he went around Thomas Jefferson, and Thomas Jefferson didn't, didn't much like it. But the biggest example is Harry Hopkins, who actually moved into the White House at FDR's request. He was negotiating with Stalin and Churchill, going around the State Department, infuriating yep. the bureaucracy there. So my view is we should impeach FDR retroactively. I mean, you, the, he, look at all these presidents with these irregular channels. The truth is, uh, Jim Jordan, they need these channels because the bureaucracy resists them, whether they're Democrats, Republicans, or whatever they are. Of course. And this irregular channel, by the way, included Secretary Perry, former governor of Texas, and Senate-confirmed Secretary of Energy. This included Ambassador Sondland 
Senate confirmed sec- uh, or ambassador to the European Union and included Kurt Volker, ambassador Senate confirmed before. That, oh, that's really Ill- irregular? Mm-hmm. That's the irregular channel? Give me a break. Well, they had Dennis Rodman, and this president yeah. has Rudy Giuliani, you know. And here's the thing. It is they in the bureaucracy and the Democrats who are pushing an irregular foreign policy against an elected president of the United States. Jim Jordan... You're a national treasure. Keep it up. Thank you, sir. You too, Mark. Thanks, buddy. God bless. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arne, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Let me say this, so MSLSD and the Constipated News Network can have some fun with it, but I say it in all seriousness. Boy, they monitor their show now, don't they, Mr. Producer? All the left-wing kooks. <laughs> did you hear it? He, oh, my God, did you hear he said, don't you, you need to put a clip up on my gun. Anyway. Nancy Pelosi has done d- more damage to this republic. Nancy Pelosi has done more damage to this republic since she became speaker this second time around than Vladimir Putin. Nancy Pelosi is not only the leader of the fifth column, she is the fifth column. And she seeks to destroy this republic and republicanism from within. Vladimir Putin has to love what Nancy Pelosi is doing to this country. She has to love the fact that the House Intelligence Committee isn't working on intelligence isn't overseeing what Russia is doing, or China, or Iran, or the rest of them. Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff are blinding our intelligence efforts because of the way they have hijacked the Intelligence Committee and have used it for the sham impeachment process to get around the incompetent Gerald Nadler. Their conduct has consequences. Their behavior has consequences. And if we get attacked and we get hit, and the House Intelligence Committee wasn't doing its job, 
then they must be held to account. But let me reiterate this for the slow listeners out there with the left-wing funded and left-wing this and left-wing that. Nancy Pelosi has and is doing more damage to this republic and our constitutional system than Vladimir Putin. And I despise Vladimir Putin. I'm not one of these code pink Republicans. I have been hammering that SOB from day one. What is any of our business? Yeah, okay, fine. Idiotic. I've been tougher on Russia than Nancy Pelosi ever has been. Or Barack Obama ever has been. And they're not even the government. But Nancy Pelosi trying to dislodge a sitting, duly elected constitutional president has and is doing more damage to this republic than Vladimir Putin can imagine to do. All roads go through Putin. Well, he must love you, Nancy. One of the few. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I want to congratulate The Fox News Channel, particularly the Fox primetime opinion part of the Fox News Channel, absolutely kicked butt in ratings yesterday. Destroyed MSLSD, destroyed the constipated news network, even beat all the networks in part of the uh, daytime. And Sean Hannity was the uh, superstar, got the highest of all the ratings. I notice that's not really anywhere. That poor guy, you know, he doesn't get the credit that's due him. He really doesn't. I mean, his his ratings consistently are massive. And he's up against the toughest competition. And, of course, he comes under attack. They'd love nothing more than to take him out, to take me out. These are sick people we're dealing with. They truly are. They talk about Putin. They have a Putin mentality. These hearings, they seem like they're designed by Vladimir Putin. All right. Secret testimony. What? You can't call your own witnesses without my permission. What? The individual who's being targeted, in this case the president, he doesn't get a lawyer. What? The individual who was the original accuser, who had no first-hand information, will keep him and his identity secret. What? You know what, Nancy Pelosi? You and your mob are the road that go through Vladimir Putin. And let me reiterate what I said last hour. Nancy Pelosi has done more damage to this country than Vladimir Putin since she returned as Speaker of the House. She's trying to take out a sitting President of the United States without any basis of any kind. By manufacturing issues. They can't even get their arguments right. Quid pro quo, I mean uh, bribery, I mean uh, extortion. I mean, uh, I don't know what I mean. I just mean, you know, whatever. You know, we need to get to the bottom of this. Uh, This is a grave issue, ladies and gentlemen. And then they shut the door and they laugh. 
among themselves. It's not a grave issue. It's a fake issue. And the illegal analysts are back. Have you noticed? The same idiots that got it wrong before. You know, uh, it's obvious the Southern District of New York is preparing to indict the president. Uh, what? Indict him for what? What campaign law violate? But that, he didn't violate a campaign law. Oh, uh, yeah, listen to that right-wing kook, Mark Levin. But I was right. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. The president has been secretly indicted. It's under seal, more than likely. No, he wasn't, and it isn't. Oh, you must be listening to that kook, Mark Levin. No, no, we're listening to the senior judicial analysts. They insist on this. Well, they're wrong again. How do you like that? Well, you know, Mueller's going to bring an obstruction charge. Uh, Maybe he'll seal that and duke it out with the Department of Justice. But he didn't. Oh, you must be listening to that right-wing kook, Mark Levin. No, I said he wouldn't. I said he couldn't. Amazing, isn't it? I am the senior analyst, legal constitutional analyst for the Mark Levin Show. Of course, I'm the only senior legal and constitutional analyst for the Mark Levin Show. But here we are. Pretty amazing what goes on here, isn't it? Trying to take out a president, and for what? They keep throwing terms around, but they can't prove them. Look, abuse of power. I mean abuse of power. You're the ones abusing power. There was a piece in Politico by a fellow by the name of Jack Schaefer. He's a liberal. But every now and then he swerves into a really thoughtful commentary. And he did it in Politico magazine. I guess it's today, this morning. Ever since the whistleblower dropped the dime on President Donald Trump's Ukrainian drug deal, you won't agree with all the wording, but just stay with it. The establishment press has tied itself into knots over whether we should publish the whistleblower's name. While insisting that it's protecting the informant, by withholding details that would put him at risk, the press has danced a sloppy burlesque, stripping off a feathered boa here, a slip skirt there. This guy must look at a lot of, you know, strip joints. I don't even know what these words mean. Stripping off a feathered boa here and slip skirt there to reveal most, if not all, of the whistleblower's bare skin to careful readers. Shortly after news of the whistleblower's complaint to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community surfaced in late September, the New York Times didn't name the informer, but instead sketched his identity in extremely fine strokes. At least three people confirmed to the paper that the whistleblower was a male CIA officer who'd been detained, excuse me, detailed to the White House, but had since gone back to the agency. Furthermore, the context of his complaint indicated that He was savvy about the law, Ukrainian politics, and European foreign policy. Really, it wasn't him. It was his slip-and-fall lawyers. Anyway, with identifying details like these, the Times might as well have printed the whistleblower's face on a commemorative postage stamp and sold it over the counter. The Washington Post and the Associated Press quickly matched the Times reporting on the whistleblower's general outline. But his name was deemed unworthy of public dissemination. Quote, I'm not convinced his identity is important at this point, or at least important enough to put him at any risk or to unmask someone who doesn't want to be identified. New York Times executive editor 
Dean Baquette told the Washington Post. See, they interview each other. And this guy, Baquette, is a complete fraud. The Post took a similar position with spokesman Chris Karate saying the paper wasn't naming names because it has long respected the right of whistleblowers to report wrongdoing and confidence, which protects them against retaliation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I keep going back to the point. This is your media. They don't even know what the whistleblower statute says. This so-called whistleblower's lawyers who were out to take out the president early on, they dressed up this complaint, which had no first-hand information, as a whistleblower complaint. So they get this guy who worked over at the White House under Obama and then hold over at Trump. He's pushed out because he's uh, believed to have been leaking, which raises questions about the Russia call, the Australia call, the Mexico call, all of which were leaked to the media, but there's something to be asked of this, this man about all these things. And so uh, they're protecting him, but he's not covered by the Whistleblower Act. The call's not covered. None of this is covered by it. Why don't they read it? Why don't they do a news story on it? Why don't they do a news story on me talking about it since they like to do news stories on me? Rabid Trump supporter. Let's continue. Although CNN advanced the story slightly on October 3 by revealing that the complaint was a registered Democrat, the establishment has continued to largely avert its eyes from the whistleblower's identity. Bloomberg News, NBC News, Fox News Channel, and other outlets have issued internal and sometimes public announcements about not reporting the man's identity. I think it's outrageous. Politico has also limited its coverage of the whistleblower identity to echoing the Times coverage, but editor Carrie Butoff Brown, Carrie Butoff Brown, is not committed to publication to keeping the whistleblower's name out of the pages should Politico independently confirm his identity. Well, go ahead. How hard is that to do? Now, you'll notice I've mentioned the so-called whistleblower's name repeatedly on the radio. Westwood One Cumulus hasn't told me not to. On Levin TV, because I'm in charge of my show there, and I've revealed his name, I'm not free to do so on Fox. That's their corporate decision, and I have to honor their corporate decision. But you don't even need them to mention it. You know who it is. The problem here is if you have a free press, newsrooms, there is no legitimate basis, none whatsoever, for continuing to conceal this individual's identity from the American people. And they twist themselves in the pretzels, making up phony excuses for it. Let's go on. In an October 30 broadcast, Fox News veteran Brett Hume, Brett Hume is terrific, by the way, got it right in his criticism of the press, noting that reporters were under no obligation, quote, legally or otherwise, unquote, to withhold the name of its, if it is newsworthy, which he said it was. A recent Reuters explainer, Buttresses Hume's take, the whistleblower laws that apply to the intelligence community were written to protect informants who go through official channels from retaliation from the government. While exposure of the whistleblower's identity by the president or other government officials could be interpreted as retaliation, the law does little to guarantee anonymity once the whistleblower's complaint has been processed by the inspector general. That's as close as they come to explaining the law. But at least they touch on it. The best argument for the press to cloak a whistleblower's identity, one taken by the Washington Post, is that it helps protect him from people who might want to harm him. 
Whistleblower's attorneys have advanced this position, beseeching the press not to link any name to their client because it would place him and his family in physical harm from extremists. Their worry is not fanciful. Now they attack Trump. Or he does. Trump seemed eager for direct retaliation in a closed-door talk he gave at the U.S. mission. You know, Jack, this really is stupid, that point. Let's move on. Without a doubt, the whistleblower deserves physical protection from threat-making nuts, including the president. Good, Jack. Trying to cover your ass, aren't you? But journalists would be unwise to award an assassin's veto to people who might read their stories and then decide to run amok. And he goes on. And he comes to the conclusion that really the name shouldn't be secret. And I'll say it again. Federal law does not protect this person under the whistleblower statute. It does not confer anonymity on this person. The president's not covered by the law. The phone call's not covered by the law. This is a cover-up. They need to keep the so-called whistleblower secret in order to protect Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, the committee staff, and the Democrat Party. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you why. As I told you in March of 2017 about what they were doing to the president, the reason is this was all hatched by Schiff and his staff and these lawyers. They hatched it. There's two individuals who served on the National Security Council under Obama and overlapped with Trump, who eventually left, were eventually hired by Schiff. The so-called whistleblower, Eric, what's his name? Shaman, Shaman, what is it again? Caramella, Caramella, Charamella. You say potato, I say potato. Uh, Eric Shamarella uh, was friends with them, is friends with them, served with them. Uh, he was required to leave the White House because he was believed to have been leaking. He worked closely with Brennan. He had worked closely with Biden when Biden was vice president. He also worked closely with an American-Ukrainian operative who was a consultant to the DNC and was mentioned in the January 2017 Politico piece by left-wing so-called reporter Kenneth Vogel, as among the individuals who were trying to sabotage the Trump campaign, working with the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, the State Department, a.k.a. the Obama administration. It's funny how AP says, well, that's a conspiracy thing that's been disproven. Excuse me, it was reported by Politico in the New York Times. Nothing's been disproven. And that operative met repeatedly with the so-called whistleblower at the White House. There are a ton of questions they ask this individual that will blow up this Ukrainian matter and show that the Democrats not only work with the Ukrainians to take out Trump, but we already know they bought and paid for opposition research from, among others, Russians to try and take out Trump. You see, it's the Democrats who work with Russians. It's the Democrats that work with the Ukrainian government. None of them wanted Trump. None of them. And yet Nancy Pelosi says all roads go through Putin. Because she's an idiot and a propagandist and a demagogue. And there's many questions that can be asked of this individual. 
was he read in to a program that allowed him access to the information that was shared with him about the phone call? With whom did he share that information? From whom did he get that information? They want to keep this all secret. This is why several weeks ago I said, when I was on Fox, I said that Mr. Durham, the U.S. Attorney from Connecticut, hopefully with the direction or support of the Attorney General, Bill Barr, who's terrific, they need to include in their criminal investigation of the 2016 effort to take out the Trump campaign the so-called whistleblower. I think they'll get a treasure trove of information, an absolute treasure trove. This guy was an inside job. He was a spy. He was a spy for the intelligence community. And in my view, he was a spy, turns out, for the Democrats. There's no other reason to keep him quiet. Well, there's threats to him. There's threats to everybody. Ask Devin Nunes if he gets threats. Ask Jim Jordan if he gets threats. How about the threats to the President of the United States? Ask any major talk show host if they get threats. We all do. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. So, ladies and gentlemen, this guy Schaefer at Politico, he regrets it, but that's his problem. It's conservative media that has broken the story of the name of the phony whistleblower and his background. It's conservative media. It's real, clear investigations. It's Breitbart. It's a number of conservative media outlets. Red State, Blaze, think about that. Who's serving a free press? There are four purposes of education at Hillsdale College. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. For 175 years, Hillsdale's been committed to these four pillars of its mission. Other colleges started off with good intentions, but many of them have lost their way. Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've known Hillsdale president, the great Dr. Larry Arn, for many decades. He says, quote, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it's fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God, because he's the first authority, says correctly, Larry Arn. 
Hillsdale is a rigorous, true liberal arts curriculum. All students learn the basics of the United States Constitution, whether they major in biology, business, economics, or whatever it is. All students learn what it means to be good citizens and why it's necessary to fight for freedom. Hillsdale College is what colleges were always supposed to be. It is an outstanding place, and they're reaching beyond their campus to you and me. Hillsdale College is pursuing truth and defending liberty, and it has been since 1844. The least you can do, cost you nothing, is check out their website. Ready? LevinforHillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. LevinforHillsdale.com. If you want information to counter what your kids are learning in schools or being told by others, or if you want to inform yourself about so many things that are important to this country, Go to levinforhillsdale.com. We'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, I've got so much outstanding stuff here for this program today. Today was filled not with hard news but with newsworthy things. You know, not hard news where you run around looking at websites wow, look at this, got 25... No, I don't mean that. That may be what some people do. It's not what I do. I'm digging, I'm reading. There's just so much stuff here where if you really want to go deeper that there's no way I'm going to get to it at all in three hours. So what do you have to do? You have to prioritize. And during the course of a program, just a little bit of background, you may not get to it because you may be in a groove or a zone or whatever. Something might seem interesting, things you hadn't thought about. That's what's so great about this format, if it's done right. I get people to ask me all the time about being a radio host. I always say, be yourself. But really... Be yourself. Don't be somebody else. Don't try to be somebody you're not. You know, when the choice is between bad and worse, it's time to look for a better alternative. Now, the two drug pricing bills we've been following are the Grassley-Wyden bill in the Senate and the Pelosi plan in the House. They both suck. They're awful. The one in the Senate is terrible, but Pelosi's is terrible times two. We shouldn't have to settle for either. It's our country. These are our plans. Either plan, if passed, would be the first step, just the first, towards a whole host of backward socialist policies run out of Washington, D.C. and the bureaucracy, the deep state, the swamp. Both plans contain price controls on drugs, which effectively gives government the power to dictate prices. So the market is completely destroyed. It's just demand. 
The real-world price controls will threaten seniors' access to their prescription drugs. In fact, it'll threaten the access of everybody. You see these commercials on TV with people who really need help. Maybe they have birth defects, limbs, mental. You see little babies that have cancer. You see older people with Alzheimer's and so forth. What's going to happen to these people? I'm quite serious. Because you're going to have price controls and the government's going to have to make decisions, not the market. The market is much more humane than a handful of human beings making decisions. We've seen this in places like Britain. People are written off. They're written off because of their age. Or care is rationed, or drugs are rationed, and the, and the long lines result in consequences, and you see it in Canada, that are outrageous. I don't understand why people want the government to control things when they look at these politicians and bureaucrats, and they know they're incapable of it. I guess it's because people want something for nothing. But there is some good news, you know. The Republican-controlled Senate is not likely to take up the Pelosi plan, even if it passes the House. And in the Senate, there's a handful of principled conservatives who are humane and compassionate, who we believe will fight this. But we need to stay on top of this. All Republicans should oppose it, most Democrats. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Com. All right. I want to get to this piece. I'm looking for it now. Bear with me. Andrew Weissman. Let's get the audio, Mr. Producer. Andrew Weissman is over at MSLSD giving advice on how to try and take out the President of the United States. This is unethical to me. Meanwhile, another legal analyst over there at MSLSD is now the lead on-staff counsel for the Democrats. So MSLSD is basically the farm team. Let's be honest, the, uh, the team over there at CNN is a very, very uh, amateurish, fourth-tier, low IQ. At least MSNBC is the second tier of no Knicks. But I want you to hear the advice that Andrew Weissman gives to the nation on TV, on MSLSD, and all 12 of their viewers. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. The key thing that, if you are the Democrats, you have to think about is, where are you going to be at the end? Um, What is it that you're going to be asking people to to really care about? Um, And you need to find out um, and make the case for, why should there be an impeachment where people vote to convict as opposed to acquit now? Um, and not let it sort of go to the election. The fierce urgency of now. Explain what that is, and what would you have done that they didn't So let's stop right there. So the idea that this guy, I guess, you know, and you got McCabe over there at CNN. I think they're going to open the federal prisons and have all kinds of new uh, paid contributors and so forth and hosts over there, as long as they're left-wing Democrat kooks. It doesn't matter. And so here you have two idiots, two partisans. What do the Democrats have to do? What do they have to do? I mean, you know, we got to take this president out. Andy, I know Chuck. And so we have fir- finally heard Andrew Weissman's voice. What does he sound like, Mr. Producer? Sounds like a shuffleboard player. Now, I have nothing against shuffleboard, but the guy's in his 50s. Go ahead. 
So I agree with Carol that one of the key things is if you focus on Ukraine as the end and end all and be all, which of course these witnesses would. They're the State Department witnesses. They came off well. Yes. If I were in the State Department now, I'd be very, very proud of them. All right, but- stop. They're in the State Department now. Why does he sound like he's having a bowel movement? Doesn't he? And a difficult one, I think. I think he does. Uh, And uh, he's very proud of these two witnesses of the State Department. He thinks the State Department's proud of them. Now, this guy's supposed to be a a credentialed expert. Why is he proud of them? They didn't provide any information that's useful to anyone about anything. You know what? I heard down the street, and then they're around the water cooler, and then we overheard at a restaurant, and... I spoke to Ted, Ted spoke to Liz, Liz spoke to Ted, Ted spoke to Arnie, Arnie spoke to Liz, and then Liz spoke to me. I can only tell you what people told me. Did you ever meet the president? No. You ever spoken to the president? No. Been in a meeting with the president? No. Have you ever? No. But did I tell you about my grandfather? No, tell us. You know, my family has 60,000 years of civil service experience. Wow, it's amazing. I've worked for 420 presidents of all 12 parties. What? We've never seen anybody like you. You're noble. You're courageous. You're spectacular. You're beyond belief. Fantastic. And we at the State Department were very proud of you. Go ahead. It's not what the Democrats needed to do. The Democrats, I think, needed to focus on that this was about election interference in our election. Tell um, me, how did that occur? When did that occur? That's not what the transcript says, which is why the Democrats and the media are having such difficulty with the transcript. They have to rely on people that don't know anything, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything directly. Otherwise, you just take the transcript. It's the beginning of the end of it. Here it is. Smoking gun. Transcript. President asked Ukraine to interfere in our election. President asked Ukraine to take down the Bidens. President asked Ukraine to take down the Bidens or they're not going to get military aid. Here it is. Case open and shut. We don't need to rush anything. It's over. Over to you in the Senate. And then you'd even have guys like uh, Romney. I have to say, it looks bad. Or Condi Rice. Yeah, that looks very murky at the minimum. Very troubling, I would say. Uh, You have uh, George Costanda, a.k.a. George Conway. By the way, what what is with this slob? He kind of looks like Brian Stelter. Embarrassing his wife and so forth. And embarrassing himself. Might want to drop about 40 pounds. Just a thought. Uh, go ahead. Times, if I were a Democrat, the more times you can analogize. You're a Democrat, you idiot. Go ahead. Which was also about election interference, the better, um, because that was election interference that also didn't work, and there wasn't a single person in Watergate. Yes, there was. You know, the Watergate. It's all about Watergate here. We've got, uh, you know, break-ins and cover-ups here. Uh, Yeah, we got all that. No, you don't. Well, just keep, just, uh, just keep saying Watergate here. You know. I got to really lay off the pasta here. Why is that, Andrew Weissman? I am just, it's, 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 I'm not feeling well. Can you tell my voice here is, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm in a constant state of uh, disarray. What do you mean by that? I, I, I'm Andrew Weissman and I'm, I'm sitting here and I must say, what? I, I can't do it. Can't do what? 
I, that I said, I, you know, I'm in a constant state of uh, here, uh, you know, we Democrats, uh, you know, I'm full of crap, you know, I can't, uh, you know, whatever. Go ahead. It's not important that the president was breaking into the DNC to cheat. Um, and so here, what the president was trying to do, if you're the Democrats, is that what, what they're saying is that the president wanted to get Ukraine to open an investigation so that Trump could use that. You see how the- dangerous this man is? He spins fairy tales and fantasies, manufactures them. It's a prosecutor. What's a prosecutor? Now, what the Democrats can say here is, you know, even though Nixon, you know, that they broke into the DNC. And by the way, Nixon had no idea they were breaking into the... He was involved in the cover-up. That's, that's what got... But that's okay. We're not really interested in history and facts here, you know. I'm Andrew Weissman. Uh, the W is a V, you know, my German heritage. Weissman. And uh, well, Andrew here. Andy, you can call me Andy. Anyway, so... What the Democrats need to do is spin this. You know, if you're if you're a Democrat, you know, like me. If you're a Democrat like me, you need to spin this. And the way you spin this is, whereas in Watergate they broke into the uh, opposite campaign and the DNC headquarters here, uh, you know, President of the United States is essentially asking the Ukrainians to break into our election here, and uh, that will resonate with the American people here. Then they'll then they'll then they'll support. Uh, you know, go ahead. No, no, not an investigation. A public statement. Exactly. Yeah, we, we don't know if he wanted the investigation. We know he wanted the statement. Absolutely. Yes, yes. We, he, we know he wanted a statement. Um, is that what it says in the transcript, Mr. Producer? That we know he wanted a statement? doesn't say that. Well, look here. Uh, we got Chuck Todd and... Uh, by the way, did Weissman ever leak to Chuck Todd, I wonder? Two nebishes. Two nebishes. Go to the reform synagogues, sit in the back, talk while the rabbi is trying to speak. They show up. It's the high holidays. They have to show up. Don't necessarily believe in anything. Sitting in the back. Chit-chatty. And really they're there. Why? Because it's Rosh Hashanah and they want their sugar cookies and the grape juice. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. President had the Republican senators in to meet with the Islamo-Nazi leader of Turkey, and apparently they gave him an earful, and I want to applaud them for that. This guy's bad news. He is bad news. He's a genocidal maniac. He has destroyed that democracy that Ataturk had set up. And he is, uh, he is a huge problem for NATO in the United States. Well, Mark, you disagree with the president on that? Yeah, I do. I do. And I, that shouldn't be a surprise. Doesn't mean I want to destroy him. That is, the president to see him move from office. But no, I, uh, I'm glad the Republican senators were there. Let's see. Oh, computer systems and cars are the new normal, as you know. From electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all this advanced tech is expensive to fix if and when it breaks. That's why I have CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers. 
So drive with confidence knowing you got coverage from America's number one auto protection provider. Now, whether you have 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles in your vehicle, it's inevitable something will break. But don't wait for that, for goodness sakes. Get covered by CarShield today. Call 800-CAR-600, mention code Levin. Visit carshield.com, use code Levin, that's L-E-V-I-N. You'll save 10% whether you call them or use their website. That's carshield.com, code Levin, L-E-V-I-N, or call them at their number 800-CAR-6000 and mention code Levin. A deductible may apply. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. For Chuck Todd, Andrew Weissman, and the rest of the frauds. Here we go. Right-wing media, the Epic Times. Ukrainian foreign minister says U.S. aid and Biden investigations were never linked. He said this today. Ukrainian foreign minister Vladimir Parasai, whatever, said Thursday that U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, never linked aid to Ukrainian investigation to the 2016 elections or former Vice President Joe Biden, which are allegations at the center of the impeachment inquiry against President Donald Trump. Oh, I don't think the State Department's going to like this. His comments come a day after the House held its first public impeachment inquiry hearings with testimonials from diplomats George Kent and Bill Taylor. Taylor alleged that a staffer told him <laughs> if, if you didn't this wasn't, it's so pathetic that a staffer told him he overheard Sondland speaking to Trump on July 26. Trump on Wednesday denied the new claim from Taylor during a joint press conference with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan saying, I've never heard this. Ambassador Sondland did not tell us and certainly did not tell me about a connection between the assistance and the investigations. You should ask him. So now... Ambassador Sondland, the envoy to Ukraine, or the EU, the foreign minister of Ukraine, the president of Ukraine, the president of the United States, the secretary of state of the United States, have all said this never happened. It had to happen. It had to happen. Because two homeless guys, I mean two State Department officials who don't know anything about any of what took place, they overheard, this guy told that one, that one told this one, this one told Liz, Liz told Ted, Ted told Tim, Tim told Liz, and it got back to me. We overheard a phone call. He overheard a phone call, and he told me that he overheard a phone call. Wow, that's impeachable. This whole case didn't fall apart, ladies and gentlemen. It never existed. I have never seen a direct relationship between investigations and security assistance, said the Ukrainian foreign minister. Yes, the investigations were mentioned, you know, in the conversation of the presidents. But there was no clear connection between these events. Folks, we can read this ourselves. There's no connection. None. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy, what are you going to do, Nancy? <laughs> you know, she's the best, smartest strategist. She's not. She's an idiot. Her party's been dragged down by her. Did you hear this? Did you hear this as a lead marquee story on CNN? No, you don't watch CNN. On MSLSD? No, afraid not. Over at, uh, let's see, the Daily Beast. Should be called the Daily Morons. Or Mediaite. Should be called Idiotite. 
No, nothing there. Is there a headline over there at our friend Drudge Report? I didn't see it. Maybe it is. You want to go check that, Mr. Producer? Maybe it is. wonder what Ann Coulter thinks. Well, we don't know. We didn't ask. And in truth, we don't care. This president is guilty of nothing. This president's guilty of nothing. They're trying to destroy him again. So it's actually apropos that MSLSD brings in Andrew Weissman, who's telling the Democrats how to spin this into a lie. What you're really going to do here is... Uh, may I excuse myself? What's the problem? Where's the men's room? Uh, we don't use genitalia identifiers here. The bathroom's down the hall. It's for its. Little its like you. Little, sh- little its like you. Weissman. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Hour three. More breaking news. Unbelievable. Here I'm trying to deal with the pile of information I already have, and here we are. Fox News Ethics Committee releases messages showing Taliba, Taliba, Rashida Taliba, asking campaign for personal money, as ethics probes announced. The House Ethics Committee today released a trove of striking internal campaign communications sent in 28 by Michigan Democratic Representative Rashida Taliba, in which Taliba urgently requested money from her congressional campaign to defray personal expenses. And a government watchdog said possibly violated federal law in the process. The document dump was released was related to the committee's ongoing ethics probes into Talib. Clearly, the ethics probe, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, bigoted. As you know, she's a woman of color and a Palestinian and Muslim. That's like, I don't understand, Mr. Producer. If you can't investigate Biden, who's a white guy, how can you investigate Talib? Anyway, food for thought. Additionally, the Ethics Committee acknowledged for the first time on Thursday an investigation into Florida Democratic Representative Alcee Hastings. This guy was a federal judge, and he was impeached for allegedly taking money. He's sitting on the House Rules Committee voting on impeachment rules against the President of the United States. Alcee Hastings, concerning a, quote, personal relationship with an individual employed in his congressional office, unquote. Texts and emails released by the Ethics Committee show Talib frantically contacting members of her staff for financial help. In one April 2018 email offered as an exhibit by OCA, the Office of Congressional Ethics. These are official. Talib wrote that she was struggling financially right now, was sinking. She continued, so I was thinking the campaign could loan me money, but Ryan said the committee could actually pay me. I was thinking a one-time payment of $5,000. Shaking down her own committee. In another email on April 4, 2018, Talib wrote, 
I am just not going to make it through the campaign without a stipend. With the loss of a second income, she said, to lean back on. I am requesting $2,000 per two weeks, but not exceeding $12,000. The cost of living stipend is going towards much-needed expenses due to campaigning. That includes car maintenance, child care, and other necessities. Please let me know if I can proceed, unquote. <clears throat> uh, no, you can't. In August of that year, Talib texted her future chief of staff, Ryan Anderson, at 6.30 a.m., quote, Sorry for the early text, but let's get the Jews. I mean, hold on. Sorry for the early text, but do you think the campaign can still pay me a stipend until the general election? Trying to get out of debt, unquote. Quote, I think we definitely afford to do so. Broken English, I'm just reading it. But we need to really clearly define your time and space, Anderson responded, noting that the arrangement could arouse concern among the media. Quote, I think we definitely afford to do so. The OCE also attached scans of checks made out to Talib from her campaign, totaling thousands of dollars. You know, Mr. Producer, Rashida Talib could be our first Muslim woman of color who goes to prison from Congress. You never know. Talib's lawyers said in August there was no evidence that she violated the law on purpose or otherwise and insisted there were no bad intentions. Oh, is that how it works? Look, I stole the car. There's not a bad intention. I just needed some wheels, you know. They noted that Federal Election Commission regulations permit campaigns to pay limited salary to candidates who curtail outside employment to focus on their campaigns in certain limited conditions that the lawyers said were met in this instance. The attorneys went on to say it was most irregular. Oh, there we are, the word irregular again. Adam Weissman, now he's irregular, for OCE to call for a probe into a member of Congress based on pre-election activities and argued there was no conscious disregard of any law or regulation. The OCA is housed by bureaucrats, just so you know. Talib was paid by her campaign after Election Day, the attorneys conceded, but they asserted that the money was for services performed before the election. She was performing services before the election, Mr. Producer. But Talib's campaign committee, Rashida Talib for Congress, allegedly, quote, reported campaign disbursements. They may not be legitimate and verifiable campaign expenditures attributable to bona fide campaign or political purposes, according to a release from OCA, the Office of Congressional Ethics, that unanimously recommended the Ethics Committee investigator. Uh-oh. Here's where she made a mistake, Mr. Producer. She'd have wrapped herself in the whistleblower statute. I'm blowing a whistle on myself, but I don't want to be identified because I'll get threats, especially from the Jews. Anyway, let's go on. If Talib, quote, converted campaign funds from Prashida Talib for Congress to personal use, or if Talib's campaign committee expended funds that were not attributable to bona fide campaign or political purposes, then Talib may have violated House rules, standards of conduct, and federal law, said the ethics office. The board recommends that the committee further review the above allegation concerning Representative Talib because there's substantial reason to believe that she converted campaign funds from her committee to personal use. A Representative Talib's campaign committee expended funds 
that were not attributable to bona fide campaign or political purposes. My God, can you imagine the squad minus one, Mr. Bidusi? What will we do? Be three anti-Semites instead of four. Three Marxists instead of four. What shall we do? Well, don't worry. She'll probably be set scot-free. But if there is a trial, I doubt. And if she is convicted, I doubt. And if she goes to prison, I doubt. She might benefit from the president's prison reform bill. You never know. Maybe Kardashian will campaign for her. Now, what about Alcee Hastings? We got Democrats all over the place doing crappy things. Like, the committee is specifically considering whether Representative Hastings' relationship with the individual employed at his congressional office is a violation of House Rule 23, Clause 18A. Ah, yes, 23, Clause 18A. That provision refers to improper sexual relationships with any employee of the House who works under the supervision of the member, delegate, or resident commissioner, or who is an employee of a committee on which the member, delegate, or resident commissioner serves. Wow, that's a mouthful. The committee continues to gather additional information regarding the allegations, the panel noted. The announcement from the ethics panel came less than a month after California Democrat Katie Hill who was involved in a threesome. But we old-timers, we're just not up to the new times. You know, apparently everybody's involved in threesomes, particularly if they're 32 years old and serving in Congress. An allegation she had improper personal relationships with her own staffers. I have cooperated with the committee since May 14, 2019, Hastings said in a statement. They continue to conduct their work. I stand ready to fully cooperate with their inquiry. Talib and Hastings have both vocally supported impeaching and removing President Trump from office, saying he's unfit to serve. Earlier this year, Talib blo- uh, boasted that Democrats would impeach the mother F, re- refer- referring to the president. And in a striking scene at the outset of the Rules Committee meeting last month, Hastings, an impeached former federal judge in 1989, who was accused of taking bribes, Outline the alleged high crimes and misdemeanors that he said Trump had committed. Is that not remarkable? It's remarkable. Then you got Omar. You don't know if she was married to her brother. Maybe, no, the media could care less. Married to a brother. Isn't that a big story? Is that illegal in America? No, no, you're not hip, Mark. We have threesomes. You can marry brothers, siblings. All kinds of cool stuff going on there. You live in a cultural bubble. Open your mind. Got all kinds of stuff going on here in the culture. Mark, you should participate. We got threesomes. We got, we got people marrying their brothers. We got the bathrooms. Uh, the boys can go to the girls. The girls to the boys. The perverts can go to any bathroom they want. We don't use he and she. We use it. Not Latino or Latina. It's Latinx. And so forth and so on. Well, count me out. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's quite obvious that the Jews are behind getting Talib, particularly the Israelis. In the case of Hastings, there's no question it's the white supremacists. Hill, 
Let's see, Hill with her threesome. Evangelical Christians, no question they were out to get her. The right-wingers are trying to bring down the Democrats, you see. Well, well, well. You know, one of the most loathsome figures out there, public figures, who really has no reason to be a public figure, hence he's more of a pubic figure, and that would be George Conway. George Conway is a pubic figure who is getting publicity basically because of his wife, Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway is a class act. She's a mother of four or five kids. She's a lovely lady. I've known her a long time. Smart as hell. George Conway is a fat slob. They fancy him a constitutional scholar. Based on what exactly? Now why do I call him a fat slob? Well, you don't treat your wife the way this guy does. Humiliating her day in and day out. Playing to the liberal media. While she's defending the President of the United States. If you really hate him that much, just keep your mouth shut and do something else. But you're supposed to have a special relationship with your wife. And he puts her in this bad position. And the left media love it. They keep promoting George. And George keeps going on their programs. He wants to be promoted. He doesn't say a damn thing that makes any sense. Doesn't matter. But what's particularly loathsome today was Wolf Blitzer. He's a nasty, stupid man. Who gets no ratings on a nasty, stupid, phony news show. Hey, he's iconic. No, he's moronic. Moronic. And he's a liar. He tries to humiliate uh, Kellyanne Conway in an interview while claiming that's not what he wants to do. Now, we don't know anything about Wolf Blitzer's wife. We don't even know if he has a wife. Maybe he has a significant other. Maybe he's married to a cat. I have no idea. His name is Wolf, after all. Wolf. Wolf Blitzer. Now, there's a name for media, Mr. Purdue, don't you think? Wolf. <coughs> Wolf Blitzer. It's almost as stupid as, uh, you know, Jake Tapper. Anyway, I want you to listen to this and see how Wolf Blitzer really destroys himself to, to the public who do understand these things. Who know that this guy, George Conway, is a loathsome, loathsome individual. What he's doing to his wife and his kids. But now Wolf Blitzer tries to exploit it. I really felt terribly bad for Kellyanne Conway. This is (coughs) yesterday, cut seven, go. I just have a final question, a sensitive question, uh, and it's it's a political question. It's a substantive question. I don't want to talk about your marriage. I know that there are, <laughs> there are, there are issues there. Your husband, George Conway, he's a lawyer. What did you just say? Your husband, George no, no, Conway. Did you just say there are issues there? You don't want to talk about marriage? I don't want to talk about... No, I don't want to Why talk... Why did you say that? I don't want to talk about your marriage. I don't want to talk about your... I want to talk about a substantive point that your husband, George Conway, made. He was on television all day yesterday during this, the first day of the impeachment hearings, and he said this about the President of the United States. I just want your reaction to the substance of what so he said. So before you play the clip, which I haven't seen, why, and why are you doing that? Because, because he's a legal scholar, he's a lawyer, and he was really going after the President of the United States, and he was and, all over and the television is, yesterday. And, and, come on, I just want you to, I just, and he's married to me? 
But, you know, it, 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 he happens to be married to you. What's but you can, run the, you can run the clip of Jeffrey. He happens to be married to me. That's Correct. bizarre. But he's uh, also a legal scholar. He's, he's got a substantive point. Listen to I what... I Jeffrey Tubin's point. Your, your senior legal analyst, I loved his point on CNN yesterday. We, we don't have to play a competitor's clip. You could just play the CNN clip where Jeffrey Tubin said, it's a problem that, uh, that um, Taylor and Kent never met... Donald Trump. He said to Jake, it's a problem. It's, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with Jake. Jake Tapper said something I'm like, not, um, I'm not disagreeing you know, with either it, they might have to. They might have to meet the whistleblower, at least talk to, talk to him or her, him, in private, because you have to be able to confront your accused. Actually got worse. Actually went on for longer than that. And Conway adds... You should have said to your audience, I don't want to talk. You should not have said to your audience, I don't want to talk about your marriage. I know there are issues. And, I, you know, when you think this phony modern day mass Democrat Party media can't get any lower, they get lower. They get lower. And they want to destroy Trump. They want to destroy everybody around Trump. They are despicable. They could not possibly withstand the kind of scrutiny they, they apply to others and the kind of attacks and barrages they unload on others. They couldn't possibly. By the way, after the bottom of the hour, I'm going to demonstrate to you that Hillary Clinton is certifiable. She's another embarrassment. What a clown. What a moron. What an idiot. I can't think of enough words to properly describe her. I mean, I can, but I can't say them. And here's the thing. I think she ran and lost the presidential election in the general election. Before that, she ran and lost the primary against Barack Obama. Don't you understand, Hillary? We cannot stand you. Well, I got the higher popular vote. Yeah, once you add California, so go to California, run for governor, and have a grand old time. But you're a nut job. You really are a nut. You've made a lot of stupid decisions in your life. You, you married the big dummy. Well, I got to the White House, yeah. But you have no self-respect. This guy sleeping around on his wife, she knows it. Has sex with an intern, she knows it. But defends him, is in charge of the war room with George Stephanopoulos, now that they top journalist at ABC News. I mean, that tells you everything. Because she wants power. She doesn't care about respect. And no, she doesn't care about respect for women because any self respecting woman wouldn't put up with that. But she represents all women. Just ask her. But I want you to hear, when we come back, what she had to say about Margaret Thatcher. Hillary Clinton and Margaret Thatcher. You really should never use those two names in the same sentence. But wait till you hear this. We'll be right back. American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show.
Call in at 877-381-3811. You know, I saw a gentleman, a Fox News political analyst. I've never met him. I've seen him here and there on Fox. Gianno Caldwell. And I saw him on, I think it was with Martha McCullum. And another young lady. Both are African Americans. No, not, not Martha, the guests. And uh, so smart, so right on. And it was during a break in this show, and I said to Mr. Producer, can we get him on the program to talk about his book? I'm I'm telling you the truth. And it's called Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Gianno Caldwell, how are you, sir? I am doing quite well, and I must say it's such an honor to be on with you, Mark. You're someone that I look up to in this business. And I learned so much from you, so I want to thank you for bringing me on today. Well, you're very, very kind. And I want to tell you, it's very rare that I reach out to bring somebody on who has a book. But this is very compelling. Very, very compelling. Tell everybody why you wrote this book and what this book is about, first of all. Well, first and foremost, I'm so thankful to have the endorsement of President Trump for this book and Coulter, Ben Shapiro, Newt Gingrich, Brian Kilmeade from Fox & Friends. But I'm a guy, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, extremely poor. Lights, gas, and water off at the same time. Mom addicted to crack cocaine. I got involved in politics because one day I was riding down the street with my grandfather in an area of Chicago called Inglewood. This is one of the hardest hit areas in terms of the violence you can find in Chicago. And as we were riding, I see this lady who I knew was my mother. She looked drugged up and beat down. And as we were riding by, I began to tear up. And my grandfather, in his very southern voice, says to me, What's wrong with you, boy? And I say, This lady. At that point, I realized it wasn't my mother, but it certainly could have been. I say to this lady, what can I do to prevent this kind of thing from happening? And he tells me about the power that elected officials have, the power to provide grant resources so people can get rehabilitated from drugs, that tougher penalties can come by way of those who are selling drugs. And I wanted to get involved in that life because I wanted to change the life of my mother. So from that particular point, I got involved in politics on the south side of Chicago. And soon after, as I discussed in my book, Taken for Granted, I realized that the Democrats that were running the city of Chicago often took the voters for granted because they would make promises year after year. They would go into the black churches where they know that people look up to the pastors and hear them year after year, and never, never would there be change that came into the community. This isn't something that just happens in the black community. This also happens in the Appalachian region. That's why Trump is so popular in these particular areas, because he understood the forgotten men and women of this country um, wasn't getting anything done by way of the Democrats. So from that particular point, I began to look into the distinctions between both political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. And I discovered that what I had been told for many years about the Republican Party, they're a bunch of racists, they don't care about poor people, all the lies that the Democrats have been masterful at telling, I found out that they were all lies, all of them. The Republican Party was started in 1854 in opposition to the Kansas-Nebraska Act, which wanted to expand slavery. Every civil rights bill that we've seen in this country has been brought forth through Republican support and passed, including LBJ's 1964 civil rights bill. So when I learned this and I saw these distinctions and I saw that the Republican Party was a party of faith, which... I come from a very religious family. I'm a big believer in God and Christ Jesus. When I saw that um, this was a party about independence, freedom, entrepreneurship, I just knew that it was me. 
and that's what I that's what I jumped into immediately. I just knew that it was me. Let me ask you this. You sat there the other day next to a young lady. I don't know her name, but she's the former spokeswoman for the... Yeah, Rochelle Ritchie is her name. Yeah, and she's really smart. But she's she's so indoctrinated into that ideology, it just it, it almost just comes out, comes out, comes out. How can it be? I, and I, this is a serious question. It is not just for an African-American like yourself, but, but white people, whatever people. Absolutely. How can it be? That people have suffered through these these metropolitan areas, these regimes, yeah. the, the these crooks, how the money is abused and everything, and keep supporting it, keep voting for these people. You know what, Mark, and that, that's very interesting. And I'm gonna tell you this: President Trump, and I talk about this in my book, Taken for Granted, has been the most impactful president for from a policy standpoint for America, but especially. For black America, for African Americans, I should say, this president has accomplished enormous gains when it comes to the black community. We often talk about the unemployment rate being the lowest on record. We talk about opportunity zones, almost 9,000 of those mostly benefiting African American areas. We talk about the fact that uh, the First Step Act, thousands of people released from prison, 90% of them being African American. There hasn't been many folks that have been able to message and we're talking about what's going to happen now versus what happened in the past. We haven't had too many people that have been able to message, Democrat or Republican, the issues of impact to the African-American community. And not only that, we talk in two to three years, this president has given more solutions to the problems of the black community. Passed, signed into law, ramifications are right now than any president we have seen. And he's going on the road talking to these different communities and saying, look, this is what I've done for you. He said very famously in 2016, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. I put that question on his head and said, what do you have to gain? I just pointed to all that we've had to gain. And that's not just true for the black community. I know I talk about that quite a bit. I am African-American. However, in these other areas where people have been hurting, the forgotten men and women of this country that have been hurting, he talk about manufacturing. He said in 2016, I'm going to bring jobs back to this country. What happened in 2018, we saw 500,000 new manufacturing jobs added to the economy based on what President Trump did. And I was talking to someone on the radio yesterday, and they say to me, well, you know, there's been a six-month slump in, in, in manufacturing. Well, here's the truth. The reason for that is because the Democrats in Congress refused to legislate on the USMCA, the United States Mexico-Canada trade agreement, and they're preventing the progress of this, of this administration by way of doing that, and that's why you see all this impeachment here in trash. That's the reason for it. They realize that he's done so much that they can't beat him at the ballot box, so they're going to have to use whatever vehicle they can to try to prevent his continuation for progress for America. They don't see any policy solutions um, that they can bring about because President Trump is accomplishing so much progress for this country. You're listening to Gianna Caldwell, who I think is going to be a well-known name throughout this country just in a few years, because you're, you're really, you, you really, you mesmerize me. I'm listening to every word. And his book is Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Let me ask you this. I feel that Donald Trump is really the first president in a long time that has an opportunity 
to win a bigger percentage of the African-American vote than your typical Republican, because he's really interested in these communities. He's really interested in their well-being. And I also think that's one of the reasons the Democrats decided, you know, a poll came out like two Augusts ago. It said that male African-Americans, I believe, like he had he had significant support, right? Twelve percent. Eight percent generally for African-Americans, 12 percent. African-American men. So I think they decide we got to trash this guy, we got to call him a racist, and we got to knock those numbers down. Am I wrong about they that? Have, no, you're not wrong. And here's the thing. I was on with Shannon Bream on air last night with her, and uh, we were having this very same discussion. Vox did an a, a article, and they were saying that Democrats have to be really concerned because they believe that President Trump is actually gaining ground. We're talking about Vox said this. Now, VOX, Vox said... A liberal site. Right. I mean, it's like, whoa. (laughs) They see it. It's true. And the truth of the matter is, if Joe Biden was to become the nominee, they're going to have an even harder time. That's why you can see all these people jumping in a race, especially when it comes to African Americans. I understand right now he's polling pretty high, like in places like South Carolina. People see that emotional connection to Joe Biden. But here's the truth. Joe Biden was responsible in part for the 94 crime bill. Joe Biden put black folks in chains. He put them in chains, and President Trump is getting them out. You think of legislation like the First Step Act. It's going to be problematic for him, just like it was problematic for Hillary Clinton with the 94 Crime Bill. They should be concerned, because they've been raising these issues of, uh, that, that black folks have been having for many years and never doing anything about them. That's why they're in a panic. That's why they're talking this foolishness of reparations, which you know they would never do. It's a scam. They're trying to scam black America, and they've been trying to scam America for a long time, but it is not working. This president will get a higher percentage of the black vote in 2020. That's what I believe. Levinites out there, the book, I really strongly encourage you to get it. Give it as a gift, but get it for yourselves, too. Take it for granted how conservatism can win, win back the Americans that liberalism failed. This is a really solid, good book. It's not like a lot of the typical books that have been coming out. And you are a remarkable young man. You know, I'm an older guy. Thank I can you, say that. And, uh, <laughs> and I look forward to meeting you one day. I hope so. I, I look forward to getting in studio with you. And I'm so, so thankful for the opportunity to be before you and your audience because I think you are doing wonders for our country. You're one of the best messengers um, our country has. And I'm certainly someone who I look up to and I watch. And I'm so thankful for this moment. I'm going to tell you something. I'm looking up to you because uh, <laughs> the background you have and it really takes a lot of independent initiative and independent thought processes, really, to break away from the pack. I've had to do it myself. Yeah. I'm just being honest. As a Jew who grew up in a liberal area, you really got to think for yourself. Absolutely. So uh, so God bless you, my friend. And I want all you folks out there, you can go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. You can go directly to Amazon. And I want to encourage you to get uh, this wonderful, wonderful book taken for granted. Take care of yourself, sir. And thank you, and I want to encourage the listeners to also follow me on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Where do they go? At at Gianno Caldwell, G-I-A-N-N-O, Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. Where does your first name come from? It's it's Italian, and my parents were looking out for me, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great name. I love my name. It's a name because it's unique. It's good. Yes, Yes, it is. You take care of yourself. It's a pleasure, pleasure to meet you. All right, Mr. Producer, I'm getting there. Let's see. Oh, there we are. You know, folks, uh, it's uh, enforcement compliance season. Well, now, what does that mean? 
If you owe the IRS, you need to take action because the IRS can garnish your paycheck, seize your bank account, and put a lien on your home. Don't wait until it's too late. Call Optima Tax Relief while you still have options. Now, they've resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks just like you. Optima steps between you and the IRS, fighting on your behalf with the best experts you can imagine to stop the demand letters and aggressive collection actions so you can live your life again. No one's more skilled at this. No one's more skilled at solving tough IRS problems than Optima Tax Relief. And they've been with us many, many years, and many, many people have benefited from them. Call now and ask about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered if, if you qualify, and you can save thousands. You deserve a fresh start. Call Optima now for your free consultation, 800 800 Some restrictions apply for complete details. You can go to their site at OptimaTaxRelief.com. Now, me, I would just call them. 800-499-6300. I'll be right back. Oh, yeah. Keep cuts 13 and 14 ready. I didn't forget. We got Hillary trashing Margaret Thatcher. Can you believe that? She's such a piece of uh, uh, scrapple, this Hillary Clinton. She really is. Scrapple. You know what scrapple is? Look it up. In a world that has lost its way, lost respect for logic, law, American history, who's defending you in Washington? Who speaks for conservatives? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Conservatives, that's who. AMAC gives its members valuable everyday benefits while boldly defending America's priceless constitution, sacred history, individual liberties, and basic moral compass. AMAC fights for border and national security, freedom of speech and religion, values articulated by Reagan and Trump. Hard to believe we're here, but we are. And AMAC is dedicated to remembering past sacrifices, and preserving America's core values for the future. They oppose the rise of socialism and the phony Medicare for all that will destroy your private health care and destroy Medicare. And they have wonderful benefits and discounts for their members. I'm telling you, spectacular. I'm a member. If you're not an AMAC member, please join. The next election will decide our nation's future. We will either be the America that you love, or we're going to go down the toilet. Let's all step up. Sign up today. At amac.us, amac.us, amac.us. Hillary Clinton, go. I think it's quite striking from a British perspective going through this book that, as I understand, in case I've made a terrible error here, you haven't included Margaret Thatcher. Uh, was there was there a row about that? Did you think to include her? Because surely she comes to mind with gutsy woman, even if you didn't like her. Well, she does, but she doesn't fit the other part of the definition, in our opinion, which. Um, really is knocking down barriers for others uh, and trying to make a positive difference. I think the record is mixed um, you, with her. <laughs> you are so pathetic. A positive difference for others. A positive difference for others. She helped defeat the Soviet Union. She took a country that was sinking, that was unmanageable, 
because of the public sector unions and the Marxists that control them, and she broke their backs. And I could go on and on about Margaret Thatcher. And Hillary Clinton dares to say she didn't meet the definition of a gutsy woman. 500 years from now, Margaret Thatcher will be remembered. 500 years from now, Hillary Clinton didn't exist. I'm telling you, as somebody who is sort of a historian, that's the truth. And by the way, Hillary didn't write this. Hillary's too busy. She's running around, getting paid speeches, trashing the president, talking about herself. But somebody really needs to evaluate this woman. And I say this not out of animus. I think she's very ill. I think she's sick. I think all those years of abuse from her husband, uh, the narcissism and egomaniacism is is simply out of out of control. And I don't know if she's taking medicine for it. I don't know what's going on. But this is a very sick woman. In fact, she's so sick, she reminds me of Nancy Pelosi, Mr. Producer. I think so. They both could be in the same therapy session. All right, let's take a quick call here. Former Department of Justice attorney, the great WMAL, Chuck in Washington, D.C. Go ahead, please. Hi, Mark. I'm actually retired now in, in Idaho. But There you go. Yes, I was. I was one of Joe DeGeneva's assistants in the D.C. office. An assistant United States attorney. Go right ahead. Well, first of all, congratulations on Unfreedom of the Press. It is phenomenal and excellent. Thank you. Uh, and listening we have one to minute. Tonight, yeah. I was I was impressed by the segue here because we're talking about Weissman again. And the last time I called in, I pointed out that he was the only guy I know that uh, got a reversal by a unanimous Supreme Court. And here he is again trying to muck up intent. Mm-hmm. And he got but a reversal main, on the issue of obstruction of justice. Yes. Yeah. My main reason in calling tonight is to remind my fellow federal employees, military and civilian, that if they disagree with the president, who is their boss, they have the option of leaving either by resignation or retirement, which is what I did at the end of the Obama era. Or? Or uh, doing... We gotta go. Or shut up. One or the other. Sorry, sir. Gotta go, and thank you for your service. I want to thank all you heroes out there. God bless you, and I'll see you right here tomorrow. Be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.